0: Tonight, we take a look at Terminal List and compare it to the book as well as the show. Then we continue our Deep Space Nine watch through, and conclude with a little bit of Star Wars: The Old Republic. All this coming up right now on the Writer Brothers. Welcome back to your Tuesday night home for Terminal List, Star Trek Deep Space Nine for the next four years or so. And uh, and we're gonna talk a little bit of SWOTOR tonight, a little bit of video game news. We're gonna try and make video game news a little regular part of the broadcast towards the end. Uh, but first of all, I'd like to welcome our uh, our usual panel, of course. We have Cory Own, Mr. Witch in Residence on that side, and Pollo Zapatos a.k.a. John, over there. Uh, so, you know, direction is relative in the stream world. Also, I'm incompetent. But anyway, um, gentlemen, how are you guys doing tonight? You ready to talk some, some terminal lists? You ready to argue over why the book is clearly better and agree with me on everything?
1: Oh, yeah, I'm, I'm totally willing to, to argue about the book and uh, the, the show, 100% also looking forward to deep space nine. Cause, uh, yeah, we're, we're, we're getting into the weirdness of it.
0: Well, it's, it's only kind of starting, but you know, I forgot that even episodes three and four come in pretty strong too. Like those, those were some good, The it, it show it's going to dip a little bit as we'll see, but you know, Avery Brooks, he really just day one, he was bringing it, but we'll even,
1: that. yeah, I was going to say even Renee Abajanwa like these oh, are, yeah,
2: yeah, yeah. I I kind of start to doubt that it really dips and feel like you've binged it too many times like the reason <laughs> that you feel like it dips is you just got to that point where you're like last episode for the night you know I- I'm finally s- and like took a break but in reality like mm-hmm. you're just tired postman yeah. mid-
0: Fan mail from Fan Arendi, mail from good, Arendi. In, good evening, welcome Arendi, glad to see you, uh, you're just in time to wait for the DS9 discussion, also real quick guys, <laughs>
2: Mr. Uh,
0: now, now that everybody's uh, kind of filing in here, I do want to say uh, a quick shout out uh, to the uh, lovely and talented Maria with T and Telly, um, it is uh, her birthday celebration today and uh we unfortunately missed the stream but i also had work and stuff and but please guys if you got a chance go over to maria with Tiatelli and subscribe if you get the chance if you haven't already she does a lot of variety she's still kind of figuring out what her show is but she's got a lot of cool guests on and just a really great energy and presence to around on, on, on you so, yeah if you like our bullshit, you'll love hers even more.
2: uh Happy it's... birthday, Maria. So, yes,
0: happy birthday, Maria. Happy Congrats birthday. on another lap around the sun. And, uh, you know, I'm going to raise my enhanced water to... Here's to another several more. Yes.
2: So, with May that... May be rich and prosperous.
0: Yes. The Terminalist uh, graced Amazon with its presence uh, July of this year. We finally got around to it. We've watched all eight episodes and... We have all read the amazing book written by Jack Carr, I who did also. Not.
1: <laughs> oh, you didn't read the book.
2: You I. You had one job so this week, along with all your busy other jobs with work. I know, right? But okay, well, all right. Well, in that thought... case,
0: welcome to the Parker and Corey show, where we discuss. The homework, because unlike some people,
1: oh, 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 oh. we
0: do what we're supposed to. John will come back. Uh, for you know DS9. what? No, no. Hold on, bring him hold out of timeout. on. Did you forget to watch hey. DS Nine too? Yeah, yes or no?
2: Did you guys? Did you forget did you to watch DS Nine? move. <laughs> did you watch DS Nine? Feature in the room. Yeah, I've watched. I'm pretty far into DS9.
0: Okay, but did you rewatch
2: past That's prologue and the one I'm after? I'm the one that brought the Terminalist in. I watched the show. I,
0: I know you know. watched the show, so you didn't read the book.
2: No. Yeah. So you'll just get to listen to Coriona. You know it. what?
0: You get to mediate Coriona and I. Congratulations. Yeah.
1: Yeah. And I, I think there's going to be a requirement for some mediation here because this is really one of those <laughs> unique scenarios between the two of us. Because
0: yeah. so. So totally spoil the book for you, John, since you didn't bother. Um, There's things about the book I liked that I thought were better. There are things about the on-screen adaptation and uh, uh, how they went about doing events that I thought were better and stronger. But in the end, after sleeping on it, after seeing the ending, and after the way they changed Ben's character... And yes, there's spoiler... Condition alert, spoiler, everybody. um, I... I, I can't root for Reese anymore on the on the show. I can for the book, but he should have, I honestly think he should have forgiven Ben. Uh, but Corion, you recently read the book so you got more, you probably have it better memorized than I do at this point. Yeah. Why don't you go ahead and give your two cents and I'll explain why
1: you're wrong. Okay. Well, um, first uh, because, you know, I appreciate you letting me go first since my points are completely unassailable but Um, going into it, look, um, this book was clearly designed, um, you know, Mr. Carr is an awesome author if you are a Tom Clancy fan. If you are a Tom Clancy fan and really like long, detailed, um, descriptions of every single firearm that ever existed known to man, um... This is going to be your book, okay? Because while.
0: The stainless steel des- Israeli weapon industries desert.
1: Yeah, like look, honestly, like. Look
0: how how the magazine pops in and out, and the slide racks back. Anyway, that's what you're basically saying. Yeah, basically what to happens emphasis, is. Even though I'm yeah, like to destroy you on the debate floor. <laughs>
1: It it, it was like listening to a whole bunch of firearms demos um, at times when when he starts detailing the information on on the firearms. And look, I do get that in a book you do have to do a lot of description of situations and events. But here's the thing. For me, what drew me in more was we got a lot more in-depth into the internal thought process of Reese in the book. We got a lot more um, interesting pieces where we acknowledge that Reese studied terrorism from an academic standpoint and was completely comfortable using the tactics that were so effective against the United States forces, more or less on the United States forces, and him coming to terms with going... You know, for ages, I despised the guys who were using these tactics. And now, I am that guy. I am that insurgent behaving like an insurgent on American soil. And that, to me, was the most interesting piece of the book that didn't really translate over to the TV series as much. And that, I felt like, was a far more interesting interesting thing than was covered by anything else the problem was whenever we get into one of these deep interesting introspections and philosophical discussions about how he's operating in these situations we immediately cut back to oh and this vehicle has the following characteristics and produces this amount of torque at this amount of thing and it was just so jarring it kicked me out of this deep, interesting discussion about about this man and what he's going through mentally. So, to me, I would have liked that. I would have liked far more on the spycraft side of things because that's really more that misdirection, that, that feeling. The stuff we got in The Old Man, really, when The Old Man was discussing um, how he was going to infiltrate an operation or how he was going to use the various tricks of his craft in order to sneak in and get at what he needed to. That to me would have been far more appealing and ideal for me personally. That being said, I do like how the show broke things up and kept me guessing as to whether this was Reese's mental illness or they actually were out to get him. So I do think there are benefits to both. The problem was that because the book kept pulling me out for um, intense descriptions of various pieces of hardware. Uh, I'm gonna call it. Uh, I'm gonna call it ex- like I'm trying to watch. You know, making sure I don't upset the YouTube algorithm by by using the term that we would all normally use in this case. But gun porn. Yeah. Okay. Fine. Gun porn. Um. But instead of like hardcore gun porn, if we'd gotten a little more introspection, the book would have definitely rated higher for me. But because of that, I think it's right. a bit of a wash.
2: I'm pretty sure it's considered gun erotica. Okay. Because okay. Firearm erotica. Written.
1: Okay. Or, or 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 how about mech engineer erotica? I think that... that Military
2: would... equipment erotica?
1: Yeah, there we go. There we go. Like, you know, if I had every, like, fifth page of the book had had a scantily clad young lady in a cam pattern bikini holding whatever firearm Reese was discussing, it wouldn't have surprised me at all. I would have probably gone, oh, okay, this makes sense. It's, you know, it's a, uh, you know, it's a, a, a fashion, like it's a an advertisement from, you know, a, a convention or something. I'd get behind it. I'd be like, yeah, okay, this is like, a, a, you know, various car magazines I've seen throughout the years. But it was trying to tell a story that I felt was a little undone uh, in its seriousness by these breakups of the, the, the military, uh, equipment fetish that seemed to be on display. So that was my feeling on it.
0: Well, I think, uh, it's not a, it's a valid
1: complaint. I I will
0: agree. And honestly, I don't think we're going to tear each other as hard as, as the audience hopes, unfortunately. Uh, well you see there is... we go, you've
1: you've consented the point. I guess we can give me the win this All time right. so, and we'll just walk Star Trek away. Deep Space oh, Deep Nine. Space Nine. No, uh,
0: <laughs> <laughs> no, I honestly my, my conclusion is yeah, well it's similar to the conclusion I made with the solo V Rogue One video. Uh, really at the end of the day, both the book and the movie are good mediums, strong mediums in their own right. Now you did get hung up on the on the on the firearms fetish. All right, yeah, it, that's that is what it is. It's it's like if I was, yeah, if I was if I was like, I can't imagine myself not as a car guy. But the, just go with it. If I wasn't somebody who's into cars, you know, I'm not gonna get my balls tingly over the description of how the exhaust is routed into the manifold versus or out of the manifold into the uh, catalytic converter or how the fuel injectors. Um, are, are superior to a carbureted vehicle but then again carbureted or you know that type of shit i could see as a distraction and so all right that that's that's what bothered me most. what i liked as i said when I, we started this is I, I still stand by it i liked how they did the you know he comes home and his family's already dead i, I think that was more of a that plus the uh, the funeral ceremony where they, they you know put the, the, the trident into the to the into Lucy's and uh Lauren's coffins. I think that would have been a better scene overall because it would have driven home the point of how much they mattered to him and also how much the seals actually do give a shit about families. And so those not having it is where the show starts to lose a few points for me. But at the same time, seeing how the show finished, I still think you could have done that because it really does a good job of where he's—you know—he's driving and 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 you don't realize it right away that he's thinking about coming home until the book just hits you. He comes around a corner and there's, you know, there's yellow tape and 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 uh, rollers all over the place. So that like I said to me that hit a lot harder because it was it was so much more shocking however you know they did what they did in the show and the way they did about the show you're right it did have that strength because it, it and it probably did work better in the show's favor for that that they they had Lauren and Lucy die later and that he actually had some time with them because that plays into his mental stress and that plays into to okay is he making up things or so yeah I think at the end of the day Make the time and watch and read it. You will not be disappointed by by doing that.
1: Um, I I, I would actually... Because you brought it up, I think a way you could have improved the Amazon series significantly is show how important Lauren and Lucy were to the SEAL team's families. That they... In the book, they describe the two of them as this rallying point that the other families knew they could always go to for anything. And these two girls would take care of that other family without any question, without any hesitation, showing them being that glue that held the team's community together, I think would have had their death had so much more impact in the Amazon series and had it have that same feel from the book. So I do think you're right on that point.
0: Yeah. and, And, and then to go further, I, uh, so in the book, John, to spoil it intentionally, uh, Ben Ben's character is definitely worthy of being taken out. When you find out that oh he betrayed him, you also realize, and this is the huge difference between how they changed his character in the show, which is why I don't think he actually did he deserve to die. Maybe, but I lost respect for Reese as a character because he did it. Because in the book it turns out that Ben was exploiting Reese's capabilities so that he could get a bigger cut of the pie. So that in that instance, of course, his demise was justified. Well, here we have a very different Ben Howard, like like a, a totally different character in this show. Sheet series. That's why I didn't recognize him at first. I was like, wait, that's actually Ben? And I'm sitting there watching the show in the back of my mind going, come on, this guy's just using him. And then it turns out, no, he recognized he fucked up. There it is, and he was going to make up for it, and 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 he tried to, and he really did, and I felt he atoned for it by going to the lengths and risks that he did, trying to help Reese finish the list and job. I think that he atoned for it and didn't deserve to die by by Reese's hand, and that's what really kind of spoils the show for me. It is that that you have such a drastic character change. For for first we have an opportunist Ben Howard that by the end has no remorse because he's just exploiting reese and it turns out he didn't care a shit mm. to now we have a ben howard who yeah made a mistake but he was he, it, it sounded like he was kind of cornered in the situation he was in but he did decide yeah i'm gonna take the money but you know what i also do want to try and give these guys a heroic demise and in the end it, oh it didn't work that way okay you know what instead i'm gonna help reese take these guys out because it's the right thing. And that Ben didn't, I don't
2: think, deserve See, I feel like that was, like, even though I didn't read the book, like, I feel like that was an intentional, like, portion is Ben's character, like, he was, like, that's how you fall for it. You don't fall for it because he's this, like, uh, neurotic sociopath that's just, like, going to help you. Uh, if it fits him. Instead, you you actually think he's on your team. He's actually on your side doing the right things for you. And he thinks he's doing it. While also, you know, having information that's bigger than the whole story. Um, well, okay. One's come to join for a sec.
1: Well, hold on here. Because uh, I've got a bit of a different opinion on Book Ben than I think you do, PD. Oh, yeah. Um, Go for it. So, consider when Ben was brought into the conspiracy. He was brought in, more or less, in my opinion, after the whole, the,
2: you know, Reese had lost his family. No, no he was ben. brought into the conspiracy before the team was killed. He's the yeah. one that shows how they died.
1: Oh, no, no, no. In the book, I'm talking about. Right? Right. I thought
0: in the, in the book it was a similar circumstance, but
1: Okay. I, I was under the impression that he was brought in a little later. But regardless, he, okay. I could he comes
0: into the story later than when he does in the show. That's also what through he, he does Maybe that's yeah, it. Yeah, he's not introduced, but, but it does turn out no he's gonna get a big slice.
1: I just look at it this way, that as like he's a CIA spook, right? He may have trained with the teams, but he's a spook. And at the end of the day, one of the things that, that, that sort of, you know, stagecraft, if you will, in, you know, makes 100% certain into your psyche is that when things go south, the only person you will be able to rely on is you, right? The only person, the, the company is not going to protect you. Your government is not going to protect you. Nobody is going to cover for you you are on your own so make sure you make sure if you're going to be able to if you're walking into a room you have a plan on your own to walk out of it and I feel like that's what he was doing he was literally doing what he was trained to do in a way which was manipulate you know manipulate seals into getting the wet work done and have a plan for getting out of it for you and anyone that you want to take uh, you know keep out with you and that is really what he was doing. He was... In my opinion... Like, he's a jerk... But he's also the jerk he was bred to be. Just like Reese is the person that they bred him to be.
0: Yeah, and, and I, I see your point. Like I said, I, I just... To me, it felt like in that final confrontation on the sailboat... That he had clearly... He knew and recognized that he had done the wrong thing... Um, even though he was in right. a position to manipulate Odin's sword and to manifest it, you know, into manifesting it into reality, he he still. It's like I said, he you, he exploits Reese in the book because Reese is taking out the competition and getting him more money. He doesn't get more money in the in the show. He only gets the twenty million, and he ends up. You know, he admits, yeah, I also did it for the money, but I did try to do it for you guys and after you no. decided to go on your holy crusade i was there with you from day 1 now
2: right but see, that's the big issue i think that the show is trying to present is that like he was willing to let reese die in the original action for the sure. 20 million but then well that's cuz he didn't he want him dying cause, it, well no
0: cuz reese was well, going to no. die anyway reese was it was, well, no, was but, well except in the book but
2: that's, no, but, that's so, a
0: detailed. detail they the big thing that well.
2: like he represents is that like his actions caused all of this death including all the death that reese caused and his only like reason for joining team reese was because he actually felt bad which means he never cared about all the death he had he, caused before he, he didn't and come would, up probably cause again no he knew like he, about he just had no moral he, he was no longer the honorable warrior he always said he was he
0: was definitely himself, not entirely that's why the
2: death seemed more like it was his way like he didn't want to have him kill himself but he also knew that he was never gonna like emotionally recover from this
0: it... He seemed, so if he,
2: anything ben was going to be a villain if he stayed alive
0: I, I, well and that's just it i would have ended it with i would have had you know reese gets ready and, and you know he says yeah let's finish the list but then then he just says you know what i don't ever want if i see you again i will kill you but you know at this point because at this point ben is chaotic neutral yes he did some horrible stuff there's no doubting it however he did try to direct some of that horrible stuff that was happening anyway into a better circumstance and it failed so instead you know instead of doubling down instead of exploiting reese's reese's vengeance he, he joins the crusade and he tries to help make it happen and he goes out of his way he basically gives up his life right. to help reese but again
2: that, that doesn't necessarily mean he actually redeemed himself if anything he went out with glory after being so dishonorable for so long and I think that's the part that like that's what we saw is like what does the dishonorable warrior the antihero actually do when they've done their heroic journey and absolved some of their sins but still like technically he he still had the 20 million he still had all of the connections and all of the calls coming in to ask him to go back to work so like does he magically become this good guy like Corian pointed out like he was trained to never be a good guy like he's trained to be an independent solo operator and so after being like a team player and seeing how much like hell he's caused okay but the problem is like the problem is that's where he has like that's where the decision comes like do you let him actually like be a villain again where he loses his humanity again and now you don't even want to save him because you it took so much just to get him out of there the first time
0: it the problem i have is that it causes me to recall the the torture porn episode And now I'm second guessing Reese's actual intentions behind that, whether or not he would have been merciful if the uh, killer had been repentant or if he still would have grabbed him out by his uh, colon and stapled it above his head and walked his guts out. Because now, because Reese kills Ben after learning the truth, I now feel that Reese didn't have any control over anything and that he was just a crazy psychopath on a killing ramp. And well, that's why I can't root for him in the show anymore. Because I'm like, oh, but so you're, you're, you're not supposed just gonna... to
2: root for him. Like, as much as he is the, the guy who got his revenge and got what was his, like, A, you never want to be in that position. And B, nope. like, just because you can get yours doesn't mean, like, it's not going to cost a lot of other people a lot of indirect harm and damage. Like, we watched as Reese, like, every single person Reese killed was somebody's child. And he killed them all the way on his way to go get this one person that had gone against him. Like, a, a, as far as like anti hero goes, like, he is probably the best vision, but even at the same time, like, he's not a hero. He's a man who got his reproach. Like he well, was a killer who killed. Yeah, I also don't that's like that he killed he the mercenary that from surrendered. Either. One to the end. Yeah, I mean, right, okay, that's, that's that's what I'm saying is just, we were never supposed to take away that this guy is the. Then what's the, the point of watching Jesus the show or reading of the book? The seals? Because the point is, is a, it's an adventure. Go on this adventure with this person and yeah, B, see I... that there can still be light in the darkness, and this is what real darkness can look like.
1: See, to me, I was taking a look at it like, um, you guys all watch the Joker movie, right?
0: Yeah.
2: Mm -hmm.
1: This is a version, if you will, of the Joker story. This is what happens after the equivalent of one really bad day. Okay. To me, this is what happens when somebody snaps and decides to get on that treadmill of vengeance. I actually talked about this entire concept in my video on Sunday. Believe it or not, weird the coincidences I'll, that come up yeah, like that. John, please
0: link that video and also go ahead and, and reiterate
1: what. But the, the the basic premise is this: is we're not supposed to root for Reese. We're supposed to view Reese as that cautionary example. Of why going down these roads is so dangerous. Why um, unchecked, you know, an unchecked military industrial complex, which I mean, you know, was warned about ages ago, is a bad thing, right? Why we should have more respect for the people that put their lives on the line for us every day and treat them like the honored heroes that they really, really are. It's why, you know, we should also be exceptionally careful about corruption at the highest levels and make sure that the rewards for that behavior is a jail sentence instead of a shot at the presidency, right? That's my takeaway from this is not to show what, how awesome one dude can be, but why we should be very, very careful that the people in the most power Wind up, you know, m- ensuring that they maintain the level of trust that we put in them, or being worthy of the yeah, level. Of but trust then we put the in problem them. is right. it starts and, to and become you All of
2: that with a righteous cause, like he had a righteous cause. We can all agree that, like, if somebody does something to your family, you want to go after everybody who made it happen, right? And that's like a universal inclination in our biology, like taking care of your family is essential. So getting back at the people that got yours is important. And then, so couple that with everything that Corian just listed, like he was a trained killer. He was fighting the righteous fight of national freedom, right, and pride and honor and the American way. And then also he was betrayed by those very people and by his friends that were supposed to be his brothers that turned out to be just friends like couple all of that into this righteous vengeance and what we see is yes this is a very like big picture of why i do not piss off navy seals why we can't betray people and put them into numbers like you have to take care of these people on the battlefield off the battlefield and for the rest of their lives because if they start getting themselves into these situations even if like it was only the cartel that had killed his family and it was because his wife had slighted another person cartel member's wife and that's like she just got a hit and he went and killed the cartel like that's what happens when these deals don't have Protection is like that righteous cause can go and destroy a lot of other things and that's like what the movie uh, Sicaro is a, a depiction of it is Another righteous vengeance from a killer though like they're still kill- Taking a human life should not be as easy as Jackery's makes it look And that's what the show is. is like really trying to call remember is that it's easy for him because he was bred into that lifestyle but that doesn't mean that he's this perfect gentleman who's gonna save the world instead it's like no this is why other people get to sleep nice at night it's because people like him exist so
0: why why then did he why why then does he save the fbi agents okay but then he kills the mercenary that (laughs) surrenders and and i mean okay ben may have to give it a coming i just don't agree it was reese's place to pull the trigger but why why is he why is it one minute he's he's actually being the proper hero and that he's not taking out the lives that are that are you know
2: he he would be because that's we would empathize with his situation
0: because he's trying to complete a mission and they're interfering
2: but that's the noble warrior. Like, okay, so is, is he a noble warrior a or not killer. then? He's still a fighter. Well, like, yeah, I guess no that's warrior.
1: ultimately the question that, that we got to ask ourselves after...
2: ...are supposed to be necessary. Okay, I think like, that... I think we've actually
1: distilled down... At the end of the day, we've distilled down really what... What the book is trying to get us to think about. And what the story really is trying to get us to think about. Is... Reese a noble warrior or a man that has been simply pushed too far after watching. And the, that's the biggest question. I think that's worth everybody watching it, reading the reading book it. and coming to their own conclusion. Yeah, Cause it.
0: I can actually come to the conclusion. I would say the Reese in the show is absolutely just a crazy guy pushed too far who kind of does some redeeming things, but in the end he just decides and maybe it's because of the circumstance so well, I'm going to die anyway what does it matter but in the book I definitely felt he was a noble warrior in the end but at the same time the circumstances were a little different Ben was a psychopath and uh, and, and he was exploiting him um, all the other people didn't have as much gray area that the show was was able to display so it the, the circumstances are a bit different so I think in the end you do have not only two different mediums but I think you do have two very different james reeses as well so that's where i would say i'd say show that's he ends up just being a crazy so guy cool. on, a, on a on a on a vengeance call but on the book i would say he was a noble well, now you see that's in the
2: actually book. really awesome because that goes to prove that the answer is meant to be ambiguous like mm-hmm. it that's is a up to point you, the reader the audience to Decide For me, I I honestly felt like the show did show The Noble Warrior. It showed aspects of him. Well, no, so I I, the reason that I think it showed The Noble Warrior more than anything is that if nobody had messed with Reese's life in terms of medical intervention, in terms of like plotting to destroy him and kill him and all of his teammates, then he would have never been tested in this Way and he would have continued to be an honorable warrior doing the things that we don't want to do or know about But also still being like a killer and still like doing it for the right reasons But in this instance like he did it for the most he's doing of it for the right. Selfish reason like his selfish this was definitely a selfish cause but it was also the righteous, selfish cause, which is why it was still noble, but also only to the individual. Like you can't say that you want every guy going out and being James Reese after watching this. But I, you can say that you know if somebody is going to do something like this, at least James Reese's way had the least, like,
0: normal, I would say, like
2: innocent people dying.
0: I would actually amend what you said a little bit. No, we don't necessarily want people being like James Reese, but the, uh, the powers that be should absolutely fear that any one of us free peoples could rise up and be that if pushed too far. I'm not saying that that's the way to go in, in circumstances, but I think it, it, it says a lot about, okay, if you're going to push people against the wall, up against the wall, you're going to take stuff from them. Don't be surprised if they turn into this this wild, focused, crazy killing machine. And I think that's something that that anybody that holds any power should absolutely you know, be aware of. Not because that's what we want to happen, but because you don't have the power to decide our lives and how we're supposed to think and how we're supposed to feel. Okay? You don't get to take away our families when it's convenient for you. You don't get to exploit our existence so you can make some drugs and make a bunch of sh- fucking money in the process. Sorry, that's two, but, but this, I'm getting on a rant here.
1: <laughs> and I think that
0: well, that the idea of James Reese, in a lot of ways, is a good idea. But you're right. It's not something that, that should just be, oh, represents- oh, you stole my lottery ticket. I'm going to murder you in the most horrible way now. Now that's going to far.
2: Right, and that's that's why I think this show did a really good job of showing the noble warrior in the worst of circumstances. Like, I'll give you that. Like I said, if he had never, like if he had been in the, the show SEAL team uh, or SEALs and acted like this in every one of his missions, like, then you got to talk to him because he is definitely... Got a very strong fetish for like, murder. Like James Reese is an effective concerning. killer,
0: but he's a little of you know too effective, if you know what I mean.
2: We paid off too many families.
1: Yeah. <laughs> um. For for the record, the best character in the in this David Boreanaz SEAL Team series is the dog Cerberus. He is a he is bestest boy. But anyway, um, <laughs> that all being I didn't know said,
0: what you're talking about
1: yeah, um that being said, I love that series. but that being said, um look the to me, I'm gonna say for the record that I feel like what crossed the line for me was at the end because he at, at the end in the in the book, it has what I would consider a very 80s action hero end um like extremely 80s action hero um kind Man. of end to it. Well, he takes the shot that the hero was never supposed to take, assuming it's a bluff. But to me, the fact that he was willing to take that shot, that he was willing to put an innocent's life um as a collateral damage to his vengeance was where he lost me as a noble warrior. That's the moment when he decided, no, I am I am fine with being no better than one of the insurgents that I've been fighting for years. And he knew it. And he knew it because when they're, the, the team is taking off and leaving on the plane, he doesn't join them because he knows he's no longer worthy of joining them. That was my takeaway from the ending. And... So in my opinion, if he knows he's no longer the noble warrior that he started out as, then I don't put him up as that either. I definitely put him up as an individual who was backed into a corner the hardest way and had to make some very unfortunate decisions and used his knowledge to make those decisions. And I would 100% have sympathy for a person pushed to those points, but I feel like his glorious rampage is only going to open up the, the power vacuum to more corrupt people. It doesn't ultimately solve the issue. And I think that right. is my biggest takeaway from it is these cycles of vengeance... Don't stop until we start looking at justice instead of it
0: Right, and what's to stop them too from snuffing the reporter right then and there, and then throwing the narrative of Secretary of State gets murdered by known terrorist James reese like right. the, the, the the Pandora's box of uh, Patriot Act comes flying out of that one. So,
2: yeah, but I think that the thing about the noble warrior is that the noble warrior doesn't. They don't decide when or not like whether or not they're noble it's more in the encompassing of their life and their choices and i think the fact that he doesn't continue with the team goes back to adding to his nobility that he he's no longer worthy of fighting honorably and so he's no longer going to fight and i think that is in and of itself the noble decision but also i really like this idea about him comparing himself to the insurgents because I think that's something that I've noticed a lot more in the new books, the books authored by Navy SEALs, both the fiction and the nonfiction, that a lot of what they struggle with is the longer that we were in Afghanistan and Iraq, they came to the terms that like, yeah, if this was my neighborhood, I too would pick up a gun to protect it a it's lawless b there's a bunch of people that don't speak my language carrying guns around and harassing us like
0: imposing curfews and and taking all our food and i mean like
2: let's let's be honest of enforcing it and that and that's terrifying And, and that to me just goes more into reese like and not just reese but uh jack Carr and his willingness to show that like the insurgent doesn't happen overnight it's they survive one fight and then two and then 10 and now they're good at surviving and fighting back and teaching others to fight back and do it mm-hmm. that's really cool that's a i, I do and, wish i read the book I've and still
1: can that. And, and i mean let's be honest right i Very mean well. when, when you asked yourself there like what would i do if somebody if some foreign group showed up on, on the streets and started, uh, you know, imposing their laws, their order, and brutally cracking down on everything that I value. We, we've seen that movie. It's called Red Dawn. We know exactly how it goes. Right? I have zero Gotta do doubt. It. Gotta
0: do it with the gun. It's not it's not right without it.
1: I, I have zero Wolverines! doubt. That that would be the exact response about 20 minutes after something like that scenario happened in about 90% of the U S that's why I think the U S is basically, uh, for the most part is because
0: behind every blade of grass,
1: that's it there. Listen, behind every single blade of grass, somebody would be, is there a mine? Is there an IED? Is there a dude with a bayonet or is there a tank? And I 100% believe that that would be how the U S would work out. And
0: Oh, Oh, there's another series on Prime we could probably check out after we're done with DS9.
1: (laughs) Oh, (laughs) yeah? Or we
0: could squeeze it into a special throwback series or something. Uh, Man in the High Castle. Oh, yes. That show, John, have you watched that one?
2: I think I got through the first season or halfway through the first season. That's a really fun one. I would not mind. And the OG books are... Yeah,
0: it's definitely one we could... Okay, so there's books we could do along with it. That's definitely a series we could plan later on down the road because even Man in the High Castle, in its alternate universe where the Nazis and Japanese won and and, and are already uneasy with each other, uh, even they had to acknowledge that in the Colorado Rockies, there would be a neutral zone. Well, why would there be a neutral zone? Because a bunch of rednecks with guns are not going to give up that easy and you would eventually just have to go... We we can't win, so we're just gonna have to say this is ours now. You're left alone to be rednecks and poor farmers with no yeah, infrastructure.
2: Didn't like Pinned is basically the Colorado Rockies or like the Swiss Alps in that yeah. show. Basically, like just snipers in every ridge, covered yeah. by the snow, yeah. living in the snow. Fan mail, from, yeah.
0: fan mail from fan mail from says I have seen Mad in the High Castle. It's really good. Yeah, I only watched the first couple episodes. I meant to actually finish it, and I never did. But oh no, if only there was some reason to now. If
2: only I had a job <laughs> that asked me to binge a show I was already doing. Oh, enjoying oh, oh yeah, no. Once
0: we're fully once we're fully supported on monetizing, this show's going to be a two two nights a week kind of deal. It's going to have to be, I and mean, we're going yeah, to have yeah. to do legacy stuff. You know, we'll do new we'll, stuff we'll on Tuesdays like a... and throwback Thursdays. We'll bring Brandon's tradition, except without the Brandon. <laughs> yeah, we'll screw we'll, you, we'll do... Brandon. Just kidding. Come back. I love you.
1: We'll do like a sci-fi night and then like an everything else night or something like sci-fi fantasy night and then like a not quite in that genre but still cool night. Like we could do a lot of stuff with this. And we're going you
0: know? to, and oh, it's yeah. all going to be free.
1: Darn right.
0: Anyway. Mom, back to uh internal uh financial discussions that shouldn't take place on live aside uh so yeah guys i I, john i'm disappointed that you didn't read this one in time but i get it real life gets in the way i've shit even this morning i'm like do i want to take the week off but i want to (laughs) um so it it is what it is and and so yeah we're 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 getting there we want to be fully uh you know, independent to be able to bring you more quality content, guys. But for now, you get Terminalist and DS9 and a little bit of video afterward. If you want more content? Give us your money, um,
1: or at least your eyeballs for now.
0: Yes, we do appreciate your eyeballs. Yeah, give us
2: your views. This really helps. Views,
0: yeah. like, subscribe, uh, share. Any final thoughts on Terminalist before we sail it off into the sunset? probably never to touch it again or at least not for a few years.
1: Let me ask you this. If because it's never specifically laid out that Reese dies at the end of it Hmm. how would you like to have seen a sequel go?
0: Damn. Now you're going to fill another hour of content. Alright next week PS9.
2: If you want to create like a, a syndicatable TV series I want Roost to become a, a Jack Bauer type That's that kinda goes where against I was going. the CIA and starts like taking out these types of people, and and so like this is his like uh, origin story, and so if if for some reason the tumor is to disappear and they want to make a bunch of money off of it, like make that, that like um, that to me seems like like a great way to guide this weapon into a like a, a useful discussion about our culture and about our like world's decisions like you could theoretically like make it about some giant monopolistic digital corporation that buys and sells goods all across the world invading america and like slowly but surely just destroying its factory work jackries could like free those people and maybe unionize them Amazon.
0: yeah so i I would say that uh, you need to read the book because like, as it turns out <laughs> guess what yeah yeah his, um his tumor goes away um so there is the book does leave and you know what I think they ended it the way they did in the show for that potential oh you know they could open it up with that voicemail call from his doctor and and then all of a sudden you know we have season two but yeah, I can kind of see where John's going. Uh, but Cory, it sounds like you're ready to give your...
1: So my idea, Modern A-Team. We have a pilot. We have a reporter. We just need some sort of computer expert to keep them off the radar. And we could have a Modern A-Team style show where they are traveling around writing injustices uh, using those tactics together.
0: If only there was some CIA asset that they had access to that could have helped them with all that shit.
2: Right. Anyway. Well, <laughs> no, see <laughs> I mean they could whoopsie. This, this could be this could be his invitation into taking the number two slot under Liam Neeson, bring him back. A team. There you go. <laughs> that that would be uh that that would be awesome yet also
0: super freaking cool. <laughs>
2: Well, no, because we do just, love like, it when a plan comes to together. a team. Yeah. Like, and I'm sure, sure the obeisance be... at that
0: point in, in his life where he basically will just gladly take anything. So, you know, we, we should definitely jump and capitalize on that.
2: <laughs> yeah. Isn't he similar to Nick Cage actually bought a bunch of stuff that now he owes taxes on and N- has no. to keep doing movies to pay the taxes?
0: No. No he's just kind of getting along in age and, and just wants to get movies in because, you know, he's he's pretty much done probably some of his best roles. He could probably do a couple other great roles in the future, but he's kind of hit that. Some stars, they hit this point where they're like, you know what? I like the fans and I'm going to just go show my face for my fans. And so they take, you know, silly jobs or or just jobs. They, they, they get some actors and these are the ones I have all the respect for. When they get the, I guess you could call it weird out clout. Everyone loves Weird Al, right? Doesn't matter if I mean, you say if you say really Weird Al's gonna like gonna make a parody a of of a song, that. you're gonna listen to it because Weird Al. Well, in movies, stars sometimes get to a point, and Samuel L. Jackson actually was at this point for a while when he was literally just taking anything because he liked doing movies. And some stars, they love they love the process, they love what they do, and they want to just be out there and be out there for their fans. And and I really like when they do that because it's like. You know, they're not. They're not. Uh, I'm going to get this show knocked down several rungs They're not doing the whole era. Right, I want to be taken more seriously as an actor. But dude, you're on screen. You're already taken seriously as an actor. You get paid professionally to be an actor. You're already being taken seriously. That's it. You, you've hit the peak. Well, it's, okay. who cares if someone thinks that you're, you know, X, Y, or Z for the rest of your life? It's not the end of the world. It's not.
1: Well, to, to kind of transition us to Deep Space Nine. You know, Avery Brooks's actual passion is actually teaching acting. And that's what he primarily does. And he's quite good at it. In fact, there are several lectures that I have watched of Avery Brooks where he's on set delivering his uh, lecture via video. And he's in his Starfleet uniform describing the, his acting techniques and method to his class while like sitting on the Bridge of the Defiant giving the lecture or sitting in his office in in you know Captain Sisko's office in his chair giving the lecture in between takes. I thought
0: so, he hated Star Trek.
1: He actually enjoyed himself a lot based huh. on well, based on a couple of different factors. There was always tough parts, but uh, he loved working with Siroc. Uh, he loved working with a lot of the, the other actors. He loved the craft of it. He just had some Interesting discussions with the producers, shall we say?
0: Yeah, because he he didn't exactly go full, you know, Shatner and uh, and Koenig and in, in his absolute disgust of it. But he just kind of seemed to like, aside from doing conventions, moved on with no real interest in in oh, he just, Cisco. Francisco.
1: No, but he loves his he loves his uh, his actual career of teaching acting. That's what he's his real okay. passion. I, has, okay, I guess right? I see
0: where you're coming. from.
1: Right, so you can have like a wonderful passion um for something else as well right you it doesn't yeah. necessarily have to be the fun it's just the what you were doing opened because you did it for so long and what you were doing it opened up avenues for you to enjoy what you really enjoy some people find that like uh you know like Samuel L. Jackson that he really just loves being on set yep. and has a great time with it and enjoys doing it avery just loves teaching and he has a wonderful teaching job that he really has fun with right i mean shatner i think you could argue that doing the conventions is what he enjoys most yeah no he's a lot
0: yeah in the early i'm talking like early days shatner that i have no respect for no now i would love to shake his hand and meet the guy but but yeah there was a time when he was like i don't want to be known as captain kirk and now he's i'm captain kirk which I agree, y- you are. Y- he's definitely more of an authority to speak on Star Trek than well, most anyone alive right now. So you know, I, I'm glad. I, he's, I look I'm him... glad he came around. Yeah, I'll just put it to you like that.
1: Yeah, I mean, having done a, like a very minimal amount of acting in my my time in in Same life, you. you know, I would say that the thing about act, whenever you're playing a role, it does become a little bit part of you. Yeah. Right. Like you do add a little bit of it. It it does become a little bit of yourself and you have to have some part of yourself in the character to portray it properly. So I have no doubt that he really, there's a part of, uh, of Shatner that is Kirk and a part of Kirk that is Shatner, or at least what, what he would like him to be. And I feel like he's accepted that that's the case. Yeah. And I think that that's wonderful.
2: But I think there's something we should also recognize is the fact that like, I think why a lot of Hollywood actors and actresses, like the thing that like goes, I want to be recognized. Like they actually do mean like recognized like when they apply Mm -hmm. for the next gig. Like when when they're trying to get their next job, like they mean that like, they don't want to be uh, typecast into a specific role. And, like, I think in the time of Shatner, like, we have to remember that, like, while we were getting bullied by kids at school for liking Star Wars and Star Trek, like, he was getting bullied by his peers for being yeah. in Star Trek. Which, which and is which And is I think bullshit. that's something I'm sorry that, that, like... Had to go through. Well, no, that's, like, that's where Michael Jackson... Not Michael Jackson. Um, Samuel L. Jackson? Samuel L. Jackson. Yeah, because all Jacksons really, like, the same. Really, like, does the best, because, like, Samuel L. Jackson is the guy that will tell all of the other actors like dude star wars is like i had a great time in that i will do it again if i can and they're like boy you want to you want to go to kids fantasy star like stars like yeah i do and then everybody goes well uh, okay i want to roll and then that's where you have stuff like uh james bond played a stormtrooper just because he wanted to be in Star Wars and not have to cost the production money, but he needed to say that he was in Star Wars because he loved it and he showed his love and was able to stand up for it. But like, we need more people that are confident in themselves and in their work, taking on the actual like, executive producers that are the ones that do the majority of the type of casting, even though they barely know how to cast in the first place.
1: And well, I think I mean, that's
2: something that really needs to be remembered.
1: And I think it also helps that cultural changes have definitely occurred since William Shatner played Kirk. Uh, changes have occurred since Mark Hamill was, uh, was in the original role for Luke Skywalker. Right. I mean, the geeks have more or less inherited the earth the the problem is we didn't a lot of geeks didn't learn the lessons of being on the outside now that we're on the inside and i think i think there are still you know like so yes it's cool now to be in a star wars pick um as opposed to it wasn't cool for a long period of time it's cool now to be a captain on the enterprise when it wasn't necessarily originally. Um, and I think that we do need to kind of keep track that, you know, some of these trailblazers, right. Are very serious, very professional, like Shakespearean level actors that are absolutely fantastic Juilliard,
2: at it. Yeah. Like, like, that. like actually learn the theater and the, the, the history of it down to the bones.
1: Yeah, and I mean, when you really look at a lot of sci-fi, a lot of sci-fi in terms of the dramatic level of the writing shares a lot with Shakespearean style roles and an epic level of um, experiential uh, scenarios that occur in these shows. So, you know, you've got to bring in these big names to make it work, but you also have to make it quote unquote cool for their career, right? They have to be able to do something afterwards. I feel, and that's like, the trick I feel like too. that's
2: the only thing that's really been hampering the careers in reality and like the thing that made it not cool was that like there was such an element of theater in the early like trilogy the original trilogy was very like they're on a stage they, they need to the sword fight a certain way they need to do all these things a certain way and in doing that like anybody who wasn't of this (laughs) was just gonna judge it's a bunch of guys with sticks whacking each other like doing Macbeth or whatever but then nowadays like ever since transformers and cgi really started exploding like no now you're the coolest starship pilot to fly the galaxy in this really dope star wars like starship or you're this captain of the enterprise and the enterprise actually looks really awesome and or you're in transformers and you play a robot car that looks like it might actually be destroying the city that it's in like i think now that there's cgi the executive producers need to realize that like that's kind of what we go to movies for because we're used to real life we've all seen outside and now that like you can add aliens and stuff like people want that because the aliens look like they're actually a part of the film. Yeah. And, 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 and Zachary, I mean, it's not this cult classic anymore. Now it is, it's fully available and fully desired because that's mm-hmm. why like all so, alien movies are still rewatched.
0: Yeah. So, uh, good discussion guys. on going into the, into, you know, setting up, uh, the importance of acting and of course uh, It's the whole legacy and history of it. But, I realize before we actually get into DS9 there is one thing we do need to take care of and that is of course a shout out to our sort of pseudo sponsor slash uh, where I just happen to work and that is of course CNC Sutlery for all of your historical uh, Civil War reenactment needs CNC Sutlery is or one-stop shop across the globe for all things civil war now you might be wondering why would a show like this sponsor a store like that well aside from me being gainfully employed of course um if you go to the main page ccsutlery.com and you uh oh changed it a little bit bear with me Ah come down to the movie production and historical credits, along with all the different reenactor divisions across the entire United States that you could potentially get in touch with. Um, they, We've also provided a lot of props and costumes for various movies, uh, some of which we intend to review on this show. And so uh, the list hasn't been updated very recently, but it, it should be here soon. Um, but even as recently as the show 1883... Uh, we provided costumes so we're pretty much the number one provider for a lot of uh uh studios these days because well our competition may or may not be answering the phone anymore a lot of people like to talk on the phone and so if you like doing business on the phone and not always online please head over to ccsutlery.com and uh and check us out all right now that that uh Extracurricular rituals out of the way. Let's move into Deep Space Nine. All right, so we're gonna start. We'll break this up into two smaller segments because we did two episodes, and I think that's probably gonna realistically be what we're gonna get throughout our watch through. It's probably gonna be two episodes a week. Which, uh, oh no, that means it's gonna take us four years to get through the show. Huh? Darn. Um. And so, with that, past prologue, quick synopsis of the storyline. Well, the last. Oh, you part- don't want
1: to you don't want to check out Man Alone first. Uh, I feel like uh, going yeah. in order, maybe.
0: Past Prologue comes after Emissary. No,
1: I thought it was Emissary, Man Alone, and then Past Prologue.
0: That's not how it showed up on my. Uh... Oh, you must have Canadian Paramount. That's probably one. I'm
1: okay. am trying to discuss uh, we, either
0: when first, but yeah, okay. the next one for me was Past Prologue, and then and then, yeah, man. And Alone. then Man
1: Alone. Okay. All right. Cool.
0: All right. So, storyline for past prologue. While well, the last Cardassian on the station, plain simple Taylor Garrick, tries to become friends with Dr. Bashir, a Bajoran vessel approaches the station at high speed, followed by a Cardassian ship. The Bajoran, Tana Laos, or Laos, I can't remember the name, the title, gets beamed onto DS9 just in time before his ship is blown up and asks for asylum. Benjamin Sisko seems reluctant, but Major Kira Norris knows him. He's a member of the Khan Ma, a terrorist organization fighting Cardassia, but also accused of crimes against Bajorans. Upon his promise that he no longer wants to be a Khan Ma, Sisko decides not to hand him over to the Cardassians, while Kira works on getting amnesty from the government for Khan Ma members. Then two female Klingon outcasts, Lursa and Bator, arrive at the station.
1: Okay, well... First, we run into the minor, I'm sure he's never going to show up again, character of Garrick.
0: Yes, plain, simple, side character, background, noise.
1: Yeah, you know, I'm sure nothing will ever come of this character uh, whatsoever. I'm sure his Um,
0: interest in Bashir was purely platonic.
1: Yeah, definitely, definitely. Um, And, you know, I'm sure he's not in any way, you know secretly working his own angles on everything. Uh, but, you know, we,
2: we definitely really see strong th- vibes that this might be an important character. <laughs> well,
0: <laughs> I mean, if I was watching it for the first time, I'd be like, what, what's this dude? He's got a spoon on his head. What, what, he, he's touching the guy in weird places. Well, not really weird. It is weird. Who touches people like that in public? Well, Garrett does. It uh,
1: depends on whether I'm trying to date them or not, to be fair.
0: <laughs> Arendi writes in, besides Garrick always lies. Uh, that, really. Hey,
1: hold on Arendi, even when he's telling the truth.
0: <laughs> anyway, so John, what did you think of Past Prologue?
2: I I don't know. I I like the the way that it, it automatically went into like an episodic Episode rather than continuing on the main story plot for the se- or th- for the third episode, um, but I, r- I really enjoyed. Oh, uh, the... sorry, I
0: totally forgot to mention, and oh. I have to, um, that plot synopsis came from IMDb. Anyway, cool.
2: <sighs> for sure, shout out. Sorry, to we gotta, our well, you're
0: you're supposed to. The that's Googles. that's the pro. Sorry to interrupt. Him.
2: Yeah. Um. But anyway, so like my big thing with the whole episode itself was it, it was fun in that it, it wrapped itself up, but also it felt like I, I kind of get really annoyed going back to old media and finding that they're still talking about the issues that are plaguing us today and that their like cultural relevance still wholly applies. And also, like, I do like that somehow Deep Space Nine is the opposite of the way we're having these discussions now in the sense that like there was a lot of uh like pleading for um like that he should be uh freed but then as we're hearing about what his group does it's like that sounds exactly like suicide bombers and like the Taliban like that does not sound like somebody the writers would be on the same side of yet the way they're writing it is like no we support this man because he's a freedom fighter fighting for the freedom of his people and as you know the Cardassians like enslaved these people and so like that's that's where I got really like interested in like watching this and as i've watched a few episodes ahead of where we're at like that's what i'm really getting out of the rewatch is like oh there has been a cultural shift and also we still have no idea what we're like really talking about because like even in this show like the way that the major is just fully apologizing for this man's actions and assuming that like no now that the Cardassians are gone he's gonna be a good guy again and as the episode continues like we find out that like nope he was not gonna be a good guy like no this mission goes on forever because a these people were born into it and b like no like they're supported like even though majors the major is like no we're we're also trying this peaceful approach and i'm going to work from that like this dude's like that's a joke right like you know that the peace never works and we're going to need to be back and ready to fight so we're just going to always stay fighting so we're always ready to fight so we're always fighting and that that level of addiction to the cause is the same thing that we had like coming out of Afghanistan now and as like the Orville season three like really discusses with the idea of like long-term warfare and the idea that like it's untenable and also unnecessary like you should always be striving for a way to end the warfare even if it's a marriage with Kalons and the humans you know like that's a big way of like showing that these conversations weren't resolved before now and also like we weren't even discussing them the same way and that's what this episode and and a lot of the show to me really resembles is like there was a different america writing deep space nine yep but it still was talking about all the stuff we're talking about today
1: well i mean ultimately too i mean we're also You know, we are looking at a situation where, you know, it's important to remember that Kira really was an insurgent most of her life. She does, you know, she went out and did some very, very dark stuff to deal with invaders in her homeland in order to try to drive them off her world. And now she's seeing somebody else who's still fighting that war and trying to get them... Back from the abyss that she realized she was walking through, right? So, in a lot of ways, this episode does a lot of character background and growth for Kira because we're seeing her in a situation where, you know, she realizes how dark a place she could have gone if things went slightly differently. If she was just slightly more fanatical, she would have been on that runabout trying to blow stuff up too. She would have seen all the negative stuff going on, seeing, um, you know, people who come in who legitimately were invited, who have the best of intentions coming in to try to help you out and get you to be able to stand on your own and be and take the appropriate place for you in a greater community, as just meddling in your affairs again, still.
2: And not to mention, like, I think this is a a, the more interesting part that starfleet really resembles especially like in this in this universe is that like starfleet isn't just well-intentioned they're resource-backed as well mm-hmm. like when they say they're gonna come help they legitimately mean we're gonna send versus bodies workers teachers like we're gonna literally be there to help and help you help you and that is something that like to me it makes star trek all the more of a realized universe because the cardassians represent the the opposite of no we intend for you guys to be a planet rich in resources and we're going to get those resources and if you obey like you're going to have an okay time but if you don't obey like we're gonna like everything the cardassians did was out of this, like, no, we are we're, we need the resources. We're not trying to kill you, but we will kill you if you disobey. And it, so well... they, they had this intention of being kind-ish. More like, they had an intention of being uh, out of the way. As long as the people were out of the way.
1: Okay. I, and, I can see like where that. you're at.
2: I think well, that is the—that's the... that's
0: a fine place to be. That tells me that you haven't really watched as far ahead as I thought.
2: Well, but to me, that's that really resembles that, like, they the Cardassians. If they're supposed to be the opposite of Starfleet for this story, and Starfleet represents this resource-rich, good-intentioned uh, empire, then the Cardassians are going to be a darker side, but still a version know that can justify standing up to starfleet and so the spectrum that's being is that like, the cardassians aren't necessarily like in like inherently malicious but they're also not inherently loving and caring and compassionate and that's the part that that Tannen in this episode really represents is that he's just so used to people coming in and trying to sell that they're well-intentioned and trying to like take one over on you. Like when the Cardassians, like the Cardassians didn't only deploy executioners, they deployed diplomats, politicians. They, They tried to start cities that were supporting them and all that stuff. And so in that instance, like that's the way Tannen sees Starfleet as another political wing of another empire self-imposing but whereas starfleet sees starfleet as like no we're actually like a very awesome collective that actually has the resources to back up all of our offerings and that's something that this show really to me like makes a for a fun discussion and shows the amount of world building that there is in star trek
1: oh Mm -hmm. yeah um
0: The best way that I could describe Deep Space Nine and and I don't want to ruin it for you John because I like where your head's at. I like these ideas that you're pulling. You know, this is the first run and it's like, Cory and I gotta remember that we don't want to yeah. yeah, we might have our jokes and laugh but, but and snicker at times. We also gotta remember to the snicker The story
1: also, changes were
0: right.
2: um, but that doesn't mean that it didn't have this foundation from episodes one through three.
0: It, it's you'll see. In time, you'll understand. And the best way I could describe this show is that uh, Next Generation and the original series are the dream. They're the idea. They're the vision. They're what Starfleet wants to be. They're what Starfleet tries to see itself as. Deep Space Nine is the reality. It's it's the showing all the real behind the scenes infrastructure, showing the fact that okay. Yes, while we should try to achieve this level of perfection and cooperation, the truth of the matter is that's not a standard yet. That's what we want to get to the standard, and Cisco believes in that being the standard. But it's always one of those. It's one of those situations where where, where you know paradise is propped up by you know by the reality of in in. Well, and you'll
2: see as it as it un- unfolds. I, I think I don't think that this is a, a a discussion in like Starfleet hasn't achieved that because like as we know Earth, Earth, Earth is achieved. a
1: paradise.
2: The yeah. majority of the inner core of Starfleet has achieved that to some degree, and I think really what we're seeing is that like this isn't a oh, Starfleet's here, everything's happy and hunky-dory. It's like, That's what no, they want you to Starfleet think. has to come in and, and build. This, yeah, it, and it has to build on predisposition. It has to build on culture. It has to build and in, in, in integrate culture because Starfleet <laughs> is an exclusionary in their culture, and so they have to They have to go out and win hearts reality. and
1: minds is what they have to do.
2: Yeah, and, and, and win hearts and minds through peace or be court-martialed if they're not peaceful. Like, at, at no point do they have the ability to just go in and gas the, the station or gas the planet and be like, all right, next generation should be nicer and this should work out.
1: Yeah, no, that, that's,
2: that's not what we... The population. Yeah. And that, I think that's a really cool paradigm that only Star Trek has given itself the room to create is like, you can have Eden be the home world of the main cast, but also put them in a brand new, barely like earth achieved spaceflight planet.
1: Yeah. Well, I mean, I, I guess the way I look at it is imagine if you will, you had a whole bunch of people that grew up in paradise and put them in a place where not all the problems have been solved yet. And how are they going to go, well, this was solved by us however many years ago. Why don't we just try to apply that here? And realizing that those solutions may not necessarily work in this environment. And new solutions have have to be found.
2: It also may not have even been the actual thing that had solved it. Like, that's what they remembered from their history lessons, which why would a person growing up in paradise really pay attention too much to history and like the actual distinct negotiations and the distinct factors that led to the resolutions that allowed for paradise to be created like i i feel like that's the coolest thing is like these people are still humans because like they grew up chasing science and now they have to apply whatever science they chased to reality and they have to find out that like yeah it works in theory but it the reality of the situation is so much more complex yeah so, so much more interesting too
1: yeah so uh, like I said I, I do feel that the the biggest character developments we do get in this episode are for Kira but some of the other characters do get a fair bit of screen time and and some of the interesting kind of side stuff that goes on here as well right? Um, you know, we do spend, uh, if I recall correctly, we, we do spend a little bit more time with Bashir and, you know, we do meet Garrick, but we also, if I recall correctly, get a little bit more time with Odo as well and his suspicions about what's really at stake. Um, you know, we get a good old, uh, meetup from the Duras sisters from next gen which was fantastic to have, and we get to see that Kira really does rely on Odo as her confidant, and I feel like that's important yeah, to, Kira to realize. And Odo
2: much, much deeper relationship than just superior and subordinate. Mm-hmm. Yep, the, there's a lot to that, but also that like Odo is very good at security and he's but he's like the diplomatic security officer which is new Uh, like we had Worf who was like gung-ho ready to kill at any second but also not very good at like reading a room and I think that's where Odo really shows off his actual skill of being able to be in the room and not be the center of attention and, and read it really well
1: so what I would say is Worf was a very good security officer but Odo was a far better detective
2: yeah for sure but I would I would say that Odo's security method is way I don't know I feel like it's the more useful and also the less, in, less intrusive like Worf is very much like any version of like a cop or like a security guard Whereas Odo is very much, yeah, like a detective, but more like, to me, he seems more like a gangster. (laughs) Like he keeps his, like, crime, like his crime syndicate in order, but also doesn't like constantly enforce the rules and doesn't pretend like he's this G.I. Joe that everybody needs to be afraid of. He's just like, no. Well, I mean,
1: it's, it's the difference between, you know, military police and civilian police, right? I mean, you know, military po- like a military policeman on a Navy vessel out in the middle of the ocean can probably get away with a lot more than a cop in an open port in somewhere like Key West, right? That's you true. have to be a lot more yeah. diplomatic. You have to be willing to, um, let certain things slide, you know, let some of the smaller stuff slide to make sure you catch the bigger incidents right? Um, And you have to uh, be a little more open to the fact that this is an open port. People are coming and going all the time. You may not be able to catch every single smuggler, but you can make damn sure that everyone knows that if they're going to smuggle there, they really have to be careful and really keep it out of the public view, which is probably the best you can ask for.
2: Yeah, Which uh, which brings
0: us... <laughs> which actually brings us to our synopsis for the next episode.
2: True. Go ahead. Yeah, that, a, it, that's a solid time because the next episode it, it shows off his unique character trait of being the shapeshifter. Yeah, you want me to get into the um,
0: synopsis real quick and then let you Yeah, forward? let's hit it. All right.
2: I feel like that's a perfect Story opener.
0: Storyline from IMDb, The Trusted source for stuff um I can't just say movies cause that's literally shows and video games and books anyway um life seems to be returning to normal on the station Bashir tries to make his advances on Dax and who can blame him Jake makes friends with Nog and Chief O'Brien is having an argument with his wife Keiko and who can blame him as a botanist she feels uh, useless on the station because she is and doesn't think the environment is good enough for her daughter Molly growing up,
1: which no, it isn't.
0: It's not. <laughs> it's basically like tiny Vegas. Um, meanwhile, Odo encounters
1: that pirate port. It,
0: it pretty much is. Uh, meanwhile, Odo encounters a familiar face on the promenade—a Bajoran smuggler, Ibu Dong. He's considered a hero by the Bajorans, hmm. but Odo thinks differently. He saw him let a child die because the parents couldn't afford the medicine. And when Ibu Don killed a Cardassian, he turned him in. When Ibu Don is murdered during a massage on the holodeck, all evidence points to Odo.
1: So the biggest piece that I love about this episode is we really start to appreciate Odo as Detective Odo more than anything else in this episode. This is his character building arc and i would also argue it gives us a very good insight into our dear doctor as well yeah i because we start to get a lot of respect for the the brilliance of the doctor as well
0: i've made this remark over on uh, on clobber and times who uh, let me get that panel up uh, who is also doing a deep space nine in-depth dive uh they're much further along than we are so if you like if you like uh Deep dives into Star Trek: Deep Space Nine. And Clobby gotta, is
1: and a cool go. guy. Clobby so. is
0: amazing. What, what a wonderful person he is, and and the, you know, I've definitely, I've definitely ruffled some feathers over there with my daring to enjoy some new Trek. But uh, overall, everyone's respectful and, and respects each other's opinion. But I said this over there, and 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 I'll say it again here, and probably every episode from now on. And and it's even this is I, I forget how good this show is right out of the gate because this. Is where we get to begin to see the show's true diversity storytelling methods. We go from Noyar mystery murder mystery to you know uh, holodeck shenanigans, which I guess is kind of going on in this episode, to uh, you know some just, just silly fun stuff to serious exploration of the Gamma Quadrant to big epic space battles and it's all in one show like this is there's so much variety that this show gives us and this is an excellent example one of the one of the other good powerhouse episodes i think i think it's not correctly rated on imdb but i don't know who cares um this show is aging i mean it was already aging like one but you know what let's give a round of applause to alex kurtzman you have made deep space 9 even better than I thought it could be with your shitty storytelling. So, you know what? You get the award for making Star Trek well, classic Trek, great. Uh the your Trek sucks though. Um, anyway. I mean it has its moments, but let's be honest. Yeah, let's crap. be honest. <laughs> it's all well, crap. Even but, lower decks
1: with time. You know I, what? I even I'm gonna come to. out of the closet,
0: out of the closet real quick. I've been watching Lower Deck season 3. I've been enjoying it. I think it's actually good especially compared to the last two seasons. Uh I don't think
2: you're, you're still you're being too sarcastic with your your uh your statement because Oh no. If we hadn't have, well if we hadn't have watched this newest season of Strange New Worlds, we wouldn't have discussed it on our channel. If we hadn't enjoyed discussing sci-fi on our channel like we did with Orville and Kurtzman trek then we wouldn't be here now yep and that's and that's Space the Space one Nine. so it's not even facetious and say it's completely accurate like because we had to rip that apart we had to remember why we even cared to watch it in the first place and then we're like oh wow this stuff still holds up yeah like, and, and that's, that's the best part and that's my and that's really why it's worth Kurtzman it to me
0: yeah, it's worth it to me to have the Kurtzman crap out there because at the end of the day we need to look at the bigger picture, especially as fans, and go, okay, while that is trash, and a lot of it is trash. Look at the new audience that is slowly discovering this great stuff that's already here. And John mm-hmm. is a great example of this because without New Trek, we probably would you probably wouldn't have gone into TN and you probably wouldn't be interested in and it's not and that's just it. John's one example. I'm not trying to put him on the spot of all the other... How many other fans are now pulling up DS9 or TNG or TOS or Enterprise? How many people
2: that watched it once and remembered it being fun, but then they go watch this new stuff and they're like, man, everybody says the old stuff was good and I remember it being alright, but let me go double check again. Oh, okay. Oh, it's
0: a masterpiece worthy of all the Golden Globes in the world. Oh, okay.
2: Yeah. So... But that I think is also to my point earlier is like, there was a long time when like, in the end and stuff wouldn't recognize these films as even being competent enough to go up there. But like you put these, the shows and the discussions from any of the episodes so far, and you'll be like, nothing today even goes half as far. In terms of exposition half as far in terms of elaborate set design and character creation and unique individuals like yeah. there's zero all bad group there is a group that we have not found a reason to like yet
0: <laughs> yeah no and the best way that i could describe it With is, is ds9 that reason w- without kurtzman ds9 was already fermenting into about a good mid to top shelf tier you know 100 300 bottle of wine he has now made it a twenty thousand dollar bottle of wine so you know
1: <laughs> yeah it's gone from aging like a fine wine to being a fine cognac
0: it's a yeah well, i'm not you know a it, cognac, sorry
1: oh dude uh, whiskey we, uh, guy yeah, listen, when I come down I'm bringing a box of cubans and a really good cognac and we're we're going to live it up like we have really successful channels. Um
0: <laughs> that said, Corione does but, not endorse the cool crime of smuggling Cuban cigars into the United States even though they are technically legal now.
1: They are technically legal, which is the best kind of legal. The,
0: be- yeah, the best kind of correct. Anyway, back to A Man Alone.
1: Yeah. So, um these hand you know, gestures
0: give our show plus 10 popularity.
1: There you go. So, yeah, I mean, we're, we're really getting a handle on life on the station as it's going to start to normalize through this episode, I feel like. Um, we're seeing that, you know, there is a life on this station. It is rebuilt-ish by this point in terms of most systems are functioning despite the fact that the chief is basically holding it all together by bailing wire and chewing gum at this point.
0: Love and duct tape.
1: Yep. Um, and you know, we're also seeing that, you know, by the end of this, we start getting the fact that, you know, Mrs. O'Brien has found a role for herself in, in this place. She started a school. And if we look at this, as I was originally saying, when we started this whole ride, that this was like, um, you know, the next logical step in the wagon train to the stars when they settle an outpost out in on the frontier. You know, she's become the schoolmarm in the frontier. And I'm sure having a Federation teacher teaching all kinds of diverse alien species with all kinds of diverse backgrounds and cultural stuff will never come up in another episode. Um, But... Uh, there we go. Right. We're, we're starting to see that we're starting to see that she's managing to negotiate the interesting political landscape. That is the promenade. I mean, how many times did she have to explain to a different culture? Hey, no, no, no. It gives your kid an advantage understanding all the other families on this station. So at the end of the day, you're really helping your kid by letting them study in a foreign school, right in your own backyard. Right. We're seeing that Cisco values the families that are coming on the station and will more or less bend over backwards to try to make a permanent community work on this station. Right. We get to see uh, Bashir again showing off that, yeah, he's young, but he does know his stuff and he is a competent doctor despite being very young. And we also get to see that Odo is starting to realize that maybe he can trust some of these Federation types that are coming on board because if they're willing to help him out and put and stick their neck out for him, I'm sure that, you know, he'll start to learn the, to that similar respect for the rest of the chain of command.
2: That's really funny. Okay. So when you say it's like a frontier town, it's more to me, it's more like the incorporation of a frontier town. So now the union has like officially decided that this city is real and they're here to, uh, you know, make good on the offer that like, if you decide that you want to be incorporated, we'll be there to help, uh, bring you a city and build your city and auto odo is really the he's the sheriff he's been running this lawless band of miscreants this whole time struggling to do so because he's on a pirate port and in his experience the new rulers that show up whether they be uh cardassian or starfleet like they're not acting Going to uphold the law. If the masses go crazy, instead they're just going to do whatever it takes to subdue the masses. And so what you actually see is, Starfleet was like, no, we're, we're holding a just court. And and if you really do think he murdered him, then we're going to have the evidence. It's going to be judged and juried, And you're going to do this the right way. We're not going to have a public hanging just due to mass hysteria. And I think for Otto that or for Otto like that was for him is like, oh. Well, in that case, like now I get to be the cop I always intended to be, which is the actual bringer of justice because I'm supported by a, a I guess it is more of like a, mi- a military institution mm-hmm. that like if he's like, hey, guys, I'm cornered in the promenade and the whole group just shows up and it's like not clear out like that. I think Otto, Odo's never had that. And also, even though he was the one being accused, like the Starfleet knew that he didn't need to be detained.
0: Yeah. Hey, real quick, yeah, right. Arendi, if you're still uh, watching, please indicate. Anyway, keep going. Because uh,
1: yeah, um, well, I I I agree with you on that point, but I also think that like, look, um, Odo also saw that the Doctor, who he's really had no significant time with it all yet actually did care to try to find a solution for him, did want to back him up. And I think that that says something too, that these guys who don't really know me, who I'm sure are not 100% sure they can trust me. Absolutely are going to treat me with respect and treat me fairly. And that's a huge piece, right? Although I do have to say the one thing that confuses me in this episode Okay, so you got an angry mob, presumably with pitchforks and torches. Or space pitchforks and torches, at the very least. Um, what exactly are they going to do to Odo? It's not like you can hang him. Right? Like, it's not like you can exactly lynch him. Right? He just, like, turns himself into mist and goes and wanders off, right? Like...
2: I feel like that's really... Oh, that's true. I I guess (laughs) nobody really, uh accounted for the fact yeah, that... Yeah,
1: Corion,
0: how do you not have the answer to your... Shape. How do you not have the answer to your own question, dude? Obs are
2: stupid. Okay, fair enough. Fair and enough. That really never like,
0: a justified that time also, But that, that was also
2: the show's... Like... <laughs> it's funny, because that's a double entendre. Like, the show was saying that literally, while also saying that, like... In subtext, being the fact that Odo can't just be beaten or smashed to death.
1: Yeah, like, you know, I mean, don't get me wrong, right? It's, for the dramatic purposes of the episode, you know, you can sit there and kind of go like, wow, this is really serious, I hope Odo makes it out in one piece and everything, but at the same time you gotta kind of sit there going like, what exactly is their plan here? Right? Like...
0: Yeah, I I think it's more of the fact that these ding-dongs can be riled into a situation based off of half Truths and misinformation to rally against somebody that while they don't have a chance of rallying against, they're going to do it anyway to make a point.
1: Yeah, I mean it, it's well, almost is, I as if you know going on half information and, and buying into the hysteria of of a movement is like a bad thing that we should all be careful of and watch for and treat with the appropriate level of suspicion and use our reason and, and logic to deduce our way out of problems and, and possibly, you know, go with maybe, I don't know, like the impartial rule of law and, and some fundamental logic on, on everyone's behalf. But I mean, yeah, it's not oh, like but, but sci-fi but would is, ever teach something like problem that. problem
0: is, Cariel, nobody's reading my protest sign. No, it doesn't matter if it's disrespectful, nobody's reading it.
2: Yeah.
0: Oh, maybe your well, approach yeah. is what needs a little refining.
2: I, I think, think the that, biggest you know. thing that this show really shows in terms of like, in terms of the crowd, Odo is, like, for me, the dramatic tension wasn't necessarily in what is the crowd going to do to Odo, it was more in how does like, what's Odo going to do? Is this going to cause him to snap? Because, like, I don't think that that shape-shifting ability is, I I honestly get way closer to Terminator 2 vibes from his ability. And so, like, hand spikes if he wants and at that point like that like is that how he handles a crowd like that was my attention more than anything as like the audience member first time viewer was like odo obviously like we've watched him melt into like four different grades already and so that to me tells me that like the mob was only putting themselves in danger that's correct by attacking him yeah, and I think and... Odo
0: was responding because you gotta think he's he's a he's a law man. So he's a good law man. And so in an area is... that's
2: untrusting of his species that's a huge part that's like been reiterated throughout the whole episode is like they were super racist
0: yeah and he didn't pull the trigger right away and shoot people weird instead he tried to de-escalate despite being the 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 primary he cause tried. of he all the did problems
2: de-escalate he did.
0: Uh, i would i would agree he did the best that he could he to de-escalate.
1: Went... yeah Remu- tried to he remove himself from the
0: situation body. and they chased after him
2: So just, you know, well, and then he even he called for backup and still maintained the like distance. He didn't just like, all right, now backups on the way. I can be the big sheriff again. Instead, he waited until backup like walked him out and then he wasn't he didn't turn around and go like, see, guys, I'm better than you. Like, you know what? I I don't know. Maintained the moral law, man, but also like the moral accused man.
0: Mm -hmm. you know what I've got an idea this gives me an idea let's take that that back the blue version of the Punisher skull right but we're going to kind of reshape the skull to look more like Odo's face in outline form and we'll call it back the honorable blue
1: hey yeah there we go
0: because Odo demonstrates in a position of law enforcement what to do when you're the object of scrutiny and you're the suspect he, he behaved exactly how someone in that situation should, and he sets a, a good example of, and throughout the series, he sets a good example of not only just being a good cop, but being an effectively good cop process. Mm-hmm. Now, that's not to say that there aren't going to be mistakes made, especially, you know, when he blows up Upper Pylon 3, but, oh, sorry, Josh. Um, but, you know, he's not perfect, but he's a good example to, to go by, and I think that could be a, you know, merchandising opportunity.
1: I, I would also say that one of the things that we do see that's a trait that stays with Odo is he owns his mistakes. And, you know, that is something too that is a quality that is worth looking up to, especially in the modern day. 100%. You can make mistakes, but you own them, you acknowledge them, and you try to do your best to, to solve them for the future.
2: Yeah. I think like, that's something that Star Trek really shows off, is that even though they have seventeen series all with overlapping timelines they don't tend to a write the same episode twice and b if they even come close to writing the same episode twice they deal with all of the issues differently even if like they're going back and making up for some form of thing they did wrong instead they, they take the time to like show that they actually can think bigger on the idea and not make the same mistake again by repeating an old line or repeating a bad mistake. Instead, they they learn from their mistakes and make a bigger and better show. And it keeps getting bigger and better and keeps going further and further. And it's because they go back and learn and admit where they fail. Mm-hmm. They okay, well, so so much. To so learn we should have.
1: So we should have just enough time for uh, you to get in some gaming there, PD. Uh, why don't we... Uh...
0: So we got quite enough time, but you know what? This is great because it's it's going to be... Uh, all right, we're just going to disappear for a quick second. Mm-hmm. Bear with us, folks. So that's going to be a rough train. Oh, well. Um, as I get ready to set up the next thing, you don't need to see all my other... Nonsense. Plus, it just adds clutter. I don't like adding more. Also, mm-hmm. I forgot which one.
2: Dang it. There we go. Dang it, Bobby.
1: So I'm just looking at all the episodes coming up. Uh, So just, uh, Petey, for your edification, we are now six episodes from Move Along Home. Just as a heads up.
0: The best Deep Space Nine episode. Clobby even, you know, I used to think that one was a rough one, but Clobby he just has a unique perspective of really showing how it shines as the best of base nine but we will save that for one in the meantime we're gonna talk about you know guys i'm gonna be honest here um i love this game so if i'm laying it on and overselling it that's why uh h marie and myself decided to start a new show called super quest and it'll probably branch out into various other members of the of the of the twb family as we move on to other games eventually and basically we decided you know what we're gonna have a show where we play through the story content of of games we love and so eventually we'd like to do a star trek online show eventually we you know probably do other games and when john finally gets a gaming pc hey check out the new 40 series from nvidia by the way um you know, we're we're gonna have, and, and as, as we continue to grow as a community, we're gonna try and have more and more shows like this, and 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 so with that, uh, here's a little bit of Super Quest from Friday night, I think, and uh, uh, we began with uh, with a couple of the storylines. So a little background: Star Wars: The Old Republic is sort of the some argue the uh, the Kotor three that we never got but others disagree with good reason um okay, so i'll skip ahead here star wars crawl while we're trying to watch uh so we actually do have it set up so we can switch between each other's screens we can watch say. now star wars the old republic is a massive it's a massive game when they say massive multiplayer online it's not an exaggeration with this game this game is huge in many ways not just with the map guys all of the early game content, all the story stuff is voice acted. All of it. So when you have your, your character, when you have your selection for dialogue, as you see kind of popping up there behind the banner, you can actually select from three different answers. And of course, this plays into selecting light side options dark side options, whether how it's it's very good at keeping that role playing, at least the early game stuff. So the, uh, the storylines actually span across, uh, you have uh, eight different origin stories to play from. And two of them are force us- or four of them are force users and four of them of course are non-force. So for the Republic you have the Jedi Knight, which is my personal favorite. You have the uh, the Jedi Consular, which is another good one, Corio, and I think you'd actually like the Consular. Stuff. Um, and then you have the Trooper and the Smuggler. And so we decided to start with Trooper and Smuggler because they are arguably the weakest of the, of the bunch. And uh, oh, quick fan mail from Arendi says if you want me to join with STO, hit my character up, Arendi. And all right, awesome, thank you. I actually do yeah, 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 yeah. In Star Trek Online. We, we the
1: three definitely... of us should get get a little bit of fleet action. Let's get going. a casual
0: filth uh, for that. Yeah, yeah. yeah, Set up maybe this week, maybe next, soon, soon now for sure. Um, yeah, I'd definitely be down for STO casual filth. So anyway, on the Empire side, you have somewhat corresponding classes. Now a lot of the classes have similarities, but they also have unique. So, on the Empire, you have the Sith Warrior, which is a lot like the Jedi Knight. You have the Inquisitor, which is my favorite story on the Empire. You have the Agent, which will be Corion's favorite story overall. And then you have the uh, the Bounty Hunter, which is an interesting kind of like... In, I like it because it's it, it's kind of like Mandalorian before Mandalorian. Like, it's a Star Wars story that kind of goes along with the main bulk story of the universe. But then it just it's kind of got its own thing going, too. So, these stories, um, when I first played, took like oh yeah, I was having trouble figuring out what screen to learn to use. These stories, um, when I first played back in 2012, they these took like a good three or four months just to get through one story. Now, of course, it was because of the experience; it was experience based. Now it is so much more streamlined. You can basically jump in for free. It is it has free to play elements. Arguably, not as fun as as being a subscriber, but. guys can figure that out on your own i still promote this game try it out totally worth trying and you basically you get to decide your character's fate more or less you get to decide if you're going to do more dark side stuff when dark side options come up or light side actions if you want to spare your enemies like james reese should have done at the end of terminalist and so it's it's really it's super involved it is i found it to be very immersive like when i first played this game And the the day I got, you know, the moment I got my lightsaber, because in the Jedi story, they actually make you earn your lightsaber. You feel like a Jedi earning it. I couldn't contain my emotions, and I'm playing by myself in my studio apartment in Key West, and I started screaming out, clapping loud, excited like a kid, because that guy was finally a Jedi Knight. I felt like it. And I've played other Star Wars games. Don't get me wrong. This one was the first one. Motor really kind of makes you feel like you're part of it. But then when they do the big reveal, you kind of feel like you're playing somebody else's story. Then this one is your story. This is, this is, if if there's any one game that I think that that anyone I would recommend, yeah, lose yourself to it. Uh, star Wars, your Republic. Absolutely. There is so much rich content and experiences that you can have throughout that really just make the experience while, um, even its user interface setting it up to your custom setup to whatever you prefer it has tons of options and so uh, yeah it uh it's changed a lot it doesn't it's not as it's it's not as popular as it used to be sadly but that was due to certain development changes um unfortunately follow-on story content does kind of go into a singular path and and so it it doesn't have the replay factor that starting a new character on a new class does, playing these old Cinderella stories. But here's the other thing. On top of following your own story, each planet you go to has its own unique storyline as well that you can follow, and within each planet is a whole bunch of side quest stuff. So if you're a quest guy, this is your game. Like, you can, you can you can go do a bunch of stuff. It's not required to enjoy the game but if you really want to get into it into the story there's so much lore there is so much stuff that you can can discover through this game Uh, the customization i would say is decent overall but uh, star trek online is still the best and i've played final fantasy i've played uh, guild wars guild wars is really close to being as as good as star trek online but not quite star trek online is still the best um, Swotor is definitely up there as far as custom options go. Now, <laughs> back in the day, hell no. Now, yes, it is so much easier to pick the clothes you want to wear. You're not required to constantly wear your armor if you don't want to. And do outfits. It's a lot of, dare I say, I know it says not allowed in gaming anymore, but it is fun. So, gentlemen, we have got 10 minutes to finish off here. Uh, any questions or anything you want to add to the to Fashion. Orion, you are muted.
1: So I've watched a little bit of SWTOR um, story arc stuff over the years. Yo, which story arc do you get the the uh, on the Sith side? Do you get the Twilight that you get to uh, shock routinely? Because uh, I feel like that's the story for me. So...
0: I'll answer that in a second. What you're about to see, this is one of the main reasons I love this game is right here, is the side quests in the open world can do other players, whether they're different classes, whether they're the same class. And this is the other part on top of that. Your friends playing the other classes can follow you into your story instances and enjoy most of your story content with you. Like this game used to really be the the buddy game. Like, it was such a good game. Now, Corio, to answer your question, um, that would be the Sith Warrior. And it's a good story. It's it's not... They're all good. I would argue that all the stories are good. I would just say that there's definitely ones that are obviously stronger than others. Uh, there's no... There's no real way to kind of get around that. There, there's, there's, there's your top-tier stories which uh, are typically uh, Agent, Consular, Jedi Knight. Jedi Knight's basically a homage to the original trilogy. Um, Inquisitor is fantastic. And then your, there's your kind of okay, which Warrior, sadly, kind of falls in that from what I At the same time, though,
2: dude, I, I don't know. It could be
0: a different experience. Go ahead, John. I,
2: yeah, no, so I played this in 2015, or whenever you brought me into it, Parker, sometime... In 2015. You kind of brought yourself in. You? Uh, yeah, maybe I can't even remember for sure. But uh, you did. You started no, playing, it. I told I you to play the... the story, and you were like, "Eh."
0: But you were also a dumb marine at the no, time. No, I, 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 beat this Warriors more of story. a dumb marine at the time.
2: Um. Oh, well, you actually did play didn't a vanilla really feel story. Like going back through every character story. Yeah, no, I oh, played dude. three of the vanilla stories. Oh. Okay. Um. I I just didn't want to go through all of them. I got like halfway through the smuggler one and then realized I was tired of being level one.
0: Oh bro. <laughs> smuggler okay, smuggler is one of my personal well, favorites. Is, is but it is before they weak.
2: made it all better with the like the experience thing. Like that was that really slowed me down on replaying all the levels was like okay. going back and having to also replay all the tutorials. Replay all those side
0: stories that you already played once. Okay, yeah. that is fair. That that is that is yeah. not a problem and, anymore. And that, like, story XP will, will will so
2: boost. much better.
0: Oh yeah, no, no. It, it, this one, it, it's, it's so. Um, Smuggler is one of my personal favorites, but it is definitely not like you know. Ooh, I was so blown away. It's basically Han Solo the video game. If you play as a male smuggler, now the female smuggler still a fun experience. Um, my wife did that; she liked it. But I definitely have to say that that male smuggler is. If you're wanting that han solo get the millennium falcon experience this is it i mean you even get a wookie companion as the smuggler so you know you get a lot of other cool companions too and that's the other thing like you, you can yeah not only can you shot color the twi'lek you can also uh you know bump space uglies you don't actually see it it's still a team game don't don't get don't get too crazy, but but it, you know they they do it the way that I like doing it in this type of game where it's just kind of implied, but it's still family friendly. It doesn't ruin the experience for everybody.
1: Yeah, th- things progress to a certain point, and then you could either decide that they just got together and played cards in their room, or things happened. I gotcha.
0: It, it's still a, it's still safe for all ages overall. There is a, there is romance, so I definitely wouldn't you know subject this game to anyone under the age of 12 personally but that's just me
2: I would say one of the the big selling points of this game is this is a lot of like what we talk about with different universes being dissected and each little dissection being its own instance so like even though it is the Han Solo experience it still takes you through the entire universe but just as if Han Solo did it And that I think is the really like the thing that most games, especially that are going to be adapted from other universes and just most like universes in general need to really realize is like, yeah, we're always going to end up probably telling an old story over again. And even if we are like, we just need to make it worth listening to. In order for it to be heard again. People aren't gonna feel bad that they reheard it. They're really gonna feel bad that if they reheard it and it sucked. And that I think is what Swotor has done really well, is that like they dissected the entire Star Wars universe into these eight different classes, and each class is also one of the original like eight characters. Like the Jedi Knight is very much Luke Skywalker, the counselor very much is Obi Wan and like the warrior is darth vader whereas a camera with the sith version the inquisitor? of the counselor the inquisitor is very much a palpatine and i think that's like that's what makes this game so awesome is they were like look we know that most of you just want to play as one of the characters and so we're just going to create a class around that type of person so you can then pick to be all of them or one of them Yep. And I think that's really awesome.
0: And then in the case of the Consular, you can do some messed up stuff. Dark stuff. Like some screwed up... Now, this is the big change, John, that you might not be aware of that, that they just implemented with, with their 7.0 expansion. And that is the introduction of combat styles. So now, you aren't limited to your two advanced skill trees on your class. Now, if you're a non-Force user, you have access to all of the non-Force user classes and you can pick two of them if you're a subscriber um, if you're a Force user so now you can actually properly play a Dark Side Jedi by picking a Jedi class and going with a Sith uh, Sith skill tree I, I now have my, my Jedi Guardian that I've kept as full pure light side forever and probably will just out of habit I now made a Sith Assassin now that's, that's his, his night job is so you can act and i i was like i was originally gonna go shadow with it because i wanted to do the stealth but i'm like I, let's be honest while i do try to be that good boy I'm a dark side kind. Of, i got a dark side too much. it's there it's better to acknowledge and live with it not pretend oh guys i'm so good all the time because i'm not but i try um So, yeah, I I just... uh, Oh, wow. Clock got away from me. We're almost done with with the broadcast. So, any quick last comments on uh, SWOTOR before we uh, close it out tonight?
1: No, I think you guys sold me on it. I think I'm gonna have to try uh, downloading a copy and seeing what I get from it.
0: Uh, You know, I know I just got you into STO, and I'm sorry to kind of change, you know, swing from another tree, but I do still have STO. I, I just... You know, it's... Yeah. I've got so many ships. I've had so much time. I'm actually taking a break right now. But... We will definitely get with Orende and get a, uh, uh,
1: yeah, we got to get a fleet action going go something.
0: Yeah. Get it, get a task force operation. So, um, once again, just another happy birthday. Shout out to Maria with T and Telly. Love you. We hope to have you on this show very soon. Just need to make that happen. Um, also another shout out to all of our subscribers and to our listeners on the podcast. Thank you guys so much for helping us grow get us out there. We wouldn't be able to do this without you. And,
1: uh, yeah, we love yeah. all you guys.
0: We, everything you do counts. And, uh, well, we'll be back yeah, uh, sure. next week with more two tour episodes, DS nine. And, uh, well, we'll update our Twitter respectively to let you know what else we're going to get into. Cause we didn't get that far. This week. <laughs> it's just, and just remember
1: hilarious. if you throw your hands up in the air, like you just don't care, make sure you put your coffee cup down first.
0: Absolutely. Absolutely uh yeah please be sure to check out cory owen's channel and uh with that we'll be back next week